Let's turn now to the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. For those of you who are here this evening, weren't with us this morning, this in effect is part two of this morning's message uh, that we dealt with uh, beginning with the, the plagues that came upon Egypt as God's means of deliverance by an outstretched arm, by a mighty hand, God delivered his people out of the bondage of Egypt. A picture for us of the bondage that we have to sin, that we are all born into, that we're all conceived in, that bondage. We are the objects of wrath, children of wrath, as Paul refers to us. But Christ, even as Moses of old, delivered those people, and God had appointed him to be the deliverer, Christ has delivered us as well. We spoke about the idolatry of Egypt that surrounded God's people and that it was God's desire to bring his people out of that idolatry, out of the darkness of Egypt. Although one could probably say in the day and age in which uh, it was, they thought they were enlightened. They thought they were, you know, really with it because they had all of these gods and so on. Yet the reality is they were in the darkness. God desires to bring his people out of that darkness into the marvelous light. And so we ended this morning with how did God accomplish this great exodus? How did God bring those people out? Well, with his mighty hand, with his outstretched arm, through those plagues in which God destroys the gods of the Egyptians. That God clearly shows and demonstrates his power, his strength, his might. But as I closed with this morning, not one Israelite is set free from the bondage of Pharaoh until the blood of the Lamb is spilt. That's where we're at with Exodus chapter 12. Let's hear then God's word to us. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs 
and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast seven days. You shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. The first month from the fourteenth day of the month at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children to say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. for There was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up! Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, 
and be gone and bless me also. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this, your word, this old, old story that we know well, but Lord, when we reflect on it, it, is so, it says so much that through the blood of the Lamb, your people started fresh. And we think of Jesus Christ and his blood, the blood of the Lamb, started the church fresh. And Lord, we also think of the judgment day when the blood of the Lamb covers your people. And again, they are given life because of your mercy. Be with Pastor Bob as he speaks again this evening of your attributes, of who you are in what you do. And Lord, bless him as he preaches this evening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's by the Lamb. It's by the blood of the Lamb. It's by the slaying of this Lamb. All of God's mighty acts, all that God has done, does not bring about the deliverance of God's people. But the Lamb does. God sets down for them then, because of the importance of this Lamb, requirements. And we can list what those requirements are. We are told in verse 3 that it is to be a lamb, a male lamb. Verse 5 tells us that it could either be a lamb or a goat. That might be a little bit of piece of new information to you, but that's what's included in God's word. So they could take one from the lambs or from the goats. A male. We are told it's age. Verse 5, we are told that it can be and has to be one year old cannot be less than that. It cannot be more than that. It is to be exactly as God has ordered. And we are told in verses 5 and 6 of its attributes. This lamb is to be without blemish. Probably most of us as adults, we get it. We understand what that means in the, in the idea of the lamb, Right? But perhaps some of you as children are going, what does it mean to be without blemish? Right? Well, it means to be without spot. That would be one way of saying it. In other words, there was purity in its coat. That its coat was not speckled. Its coat was not spotted. But it was all one color in terms of its coat. To be without blemish means as well that it had no scars. It had no previous wounds. It had no previous injuries. That there was nothing that you would look at it and say, what happened there? What happened there? Sometimes perhaps when maybe you've been to the fair and watched judges judge the animals. Right? And, and what they're looking for is, is how does that animal appear? What, are there any bruisings on it? That sort of thing. This animal was to have none of that. It was to be without blemish, without spot, without injury. We learn later on in chapter, uh, later on in this chapter, verse 46, that it was to have no broken bones. 
that, that they weren't to break the bones of this animal either. That's what it had to be, without blemish. And I thought of this the, this week because I was watching one of those commercials on TV, okay? You know, one of those things, those tubes of things you can buy to hide blemishes, right? No, all, all it is is just a little spot. It's just a little area on the skin, right? A, a little blemish. It was to have no blemishes. Nothing observable that one could look at, nothing that one could, could detect that in any way would keep it, keep you from saying this is a perfect one-year-old male lamb. Nothing. Those are its requirements. The requirements for the people were much larger, right? For the people, there's all sorts of things that fall into this. There's sorts of things as to when this is to start, the 10th day of the month to the 14th day of the month. They are to keep it. They are to slay this lamb at twilight on the 14th. This is to, to be as well. They're, they're to eat this roasted. They're to eat it with unleavened bread. The whole section of Exodus chapter 12 that they are to observe, that they're to remove this leaven from their homes. That was to be their way of coming to this festival unblemished. That was God's way of saying, okay, I understand you're taking this seriously. I understand you're, you're observing and understanding that there is a uniqueness about this Passover event and about the lamb. So I want you as well to remove all leaven. The Old Testament and in the New as well, one could say, that is always a picture of sin. So by the removing of this physical thing called leaven, this bacteria from your presence, from your home, you are saying that the desire to live a holy, pure life, even as the lamb takes dwelling in your home. That the lamb does not dwell in the midst of sin, but the lamb dwells only in that which is holy and pure. I hope you're already ahead of me in seeing the beautiful picture this is creating for us of what it means as far as a believer in Christ. So those are the requirements, basically, pretty straightforward. But what was the point? What was the purpose? Well, if we look at verses 12 and 13 of our text, we learned that the purpose was to protect them from the destroyer. They were to take the blood of this lamb and put it on their doors. Take a branch of hyssop to dip it in the blood and then to put it on their doors, to sprinkle it on their doorways. God tells us very specifically in the passage, that is to protect your home. So that when the destroyer, this angel of death, comes across Egypt, 
including the land of Goshen, that your home will be guarded and kept safe if the blood is on the doorpost. If the blood is not on the doorpost, then the angel of death is coming in and the firstborn of man and beast will die. So if you want to be protected from the destroyer, put the blood on the doorpost. Secondly, look at verse 27. You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel when he struck the Egyptians, but spared. Our houses. And one could say it's, it's sort of the same idea as protection. But the way it's expressed here is the idea that, that in a sense it's not just protecting. It is purposely sparing. It is keeping for himself that which is his own. God desires. To spare his people. God desires that none of his people are destroyed. God desires that his people are always guarded, are always kept. Now the wondrous thing is, God also provides the means by which that happens. They didn't know how to be spared. They had no clue. Can you imagine an Israelite? That, let, let's imagine this conversation. Moses comes to the Israelites and he says, Okay, tonight the angel of death is coming. And unless you do something, unless you do something, Firstborn in your family or of your animals or both is going to die. Well, what are we to do, Moses? I don't know. You got to do something. Who would have thought of this? Who would have come up with the idea? Let's take a lamb, let's kill it, and let's put its blood on the doors. I think those Israelite leaders could have sat there probably till today and not come up with this one. There might have been all sorts of things suggested. But you see, God so loves his people. God so desires to spare his people that God gives the instructions, God gives the means by which they may be spared. That, that blood on the doorpost is not just a protection against the angel of death. It is an active reminder of the love and mercy and grace of God towards his people. He didn't want them running about, scurrying about, worrying. Well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He gives to them that which they need to know. 
This is how you spare your household. Notice as well in verse 27 that the purpose of this lamb is not only to protect, not only to spare, but also to separate out. You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. Verse 27 again. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians. There is going to be a great distinction made here. There will be homes of joy and there will be homes of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There will be homes at the rejoicing, at the blood of the Lamb. And there will be those who are mourning, and grieving, but wailing. There's not a house, we are told, throughout Egypt that someone was not struck. God separates out His people. And finally, the purpose of all of this is not only to bring his people out, that we'll get to in a minute, but it's to foreshadow, isn't it? It's to foreshadow Christ. It's to foreshadow our deliverance. It's to foreshadow that which God does in Christ. And God's word is clear about this. Keep your finger here. Go with me to... 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to go down to verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Remember where we were this morning? The culture, objects of wrath. Knowing you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Who is Peter speaking about? Well, he's speaking about Christ. But note, the without spot or blemish. What does that immediately take us back to? Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover lamb. See, this lamb here in Exodus 12, that's a picture for us. That's a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. In all of its components, in all of its attributes, in all that is going on there, that's you and I's deliverance. That's our Christ, without spot, without sin, perfectly holy. Remember the point I made? That the leaven had to be taken out? Why? Because the 
lamb without blemish has to live in a home without blemish. When Christ takes up residence in our hearts and in our lives, what are we? What are we? Are you totally depraved yet? When Christ takes up residence in your home? No. Total depravity is what we are before Christ, not what we are with Christ. Peter tells us what we are. We are a holy people because Christ lives in us. We're not holy because we're holy. We're holy because Christ is holy. The Passover lamb lives in the home of unleavened bread. Christ lives in you. And what is Peter's point here? But it's by that blood that you are ransomed. It's by that blood that you are bought. It's by that blood that you are redeemed. It's by that blood that you are brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's by the blood of the Passover lamb. See, this is not just, oh, this is just some Old Testament information about some animal. No. No, my friends. This is God speaking grace. This is God revealing grace. This is God showing us atonement in the Lamb of God, in the Passover Lamb, dying to protect, to spare, to distinguish those who are the people of God. He died those who are his he's ransomed us since before the foundations of the world God knew who we were and Christ comes as this Passover lamb to shed his blood that covers our lives that goes over the doorpost of our hearts so that we might be the people of God. Brought out into the light to live as light. In the light of the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a beauty. The beauty of God's word. And how it shows us again and again and again Christ. You say, Pastor, okay, I, I get the point about the lamb, but, but what happened? Well, we got to that at the end of chapter 12, didn't we? Or at the end of the section I read. There is the reality of deliverance for those Israelites. It happens. It occurs. This is not just, well, you know, if you think about it long enough, even though you're sitting here making bricks without straw, if you think about it long enough, you can imagine yourself free. Right? I'm told that that used to happen. I read something about this, that this used to happen in the old days of slavery in this country. That those who were slaves would often, as they're working the fields, 
their hands are getting bloodied, that they think about freedom and, and in some sort of way experience freedom outside of themselves. And yet the reality is they were still slaves. That is not what happens to the Israelites. This isn't just some figment of their imagination. This isn't just some dream. This isn't just some utopia to aspire to. It happened. Pharaoh released them. Go! Get out! Take everything with you. Leave! God accomplishes that which he purposed to do. He delivered his people. Pharaoh releases them. Verse 31. But not only did God deliver them in these words of Pharaoh, there is a final blow that reminds us of this, isn't there? Turn with me ahead to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Go with me to verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. He took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them, all of, over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi-aharoth in front of Baal-zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you serve today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Now go to verse 19. Moses prays, then the angel of God, the angel of God. Remember that phrase from last Lord's Day? The angel of God, Christ. It's Christ again, Old Testament. There's Christ. What's he doing? Who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. 
And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. And the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord and the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned, covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. Not one. Not only does Pharaoh die, so does the entire army. So does his entire military force. God crushes the enemies of God's people. For you and I as believers, the apostle or John the Baptist is going to look at Jesus Christ as he comes to the Jordan and he declares, behold the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. How does he do it? By his blood. By his blood. Ephesians chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 9. It is by the blood of the Lamb. It is by the blood of Christ that we are ransomed. It is by the blood of that Lamb that we are bought. It is by the blood of the Lamb that we are delivered. And the lamb, a slain lamb, stands victorious over all your and over all of my enemies. See, it's not ongoing. It's already done. In the morning, watch. The stone rolls away and the lamb rises victorious. All your enemies are defeated. They lie like the soldiers of Egypt, lie across that seashore. And God's people looked and saw the defeat of their enemies. Oh, brother and sister in Christ, open our eyes, open our eyes, Lord, that we might see the victorious lamb, that our enemies lie dead upon the seashore. Two passages in closing. First of all, go with me to Revelation chapter 5. 
I don't want to steal too much of Brother Norm's sermon next Sunday. I've already done some of that, I understand, this morning. So, Revelation chapter 5. Here's the picture God gives you. Then I looked, verse 11, excuse me, Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb, the Passover Lamb that was slain. Slain to deliver you. Slain that your enemies lie crushed upon the seashore. Just go ahead to Revelation chapter 7. Verse 9. After this I looked, behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. As you and I come to know the deliverance of the Lamb of God. Are we looking back over our shoulders at Egypt? Oh, it was so good. Are we complaining about any and all situations? Where's the water? Where's the food? Or are our voices joined with that chorus in glory? Blessing. And honor, glory, and power, and thanksgiving belongs to the Lamb. If you believe that, then every day live for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you again for this beautiful, beautiful, foreshadowing and picture you give to us in your word. The glorious promises that are amen and amen in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, in whose name we pray, God's people saying, amen.